Hey guys, it's Jen, and I just wanted to let you know that you're going to hear right now part one of a two-part series. Uh, it's an interview with Margie Smith, not my mom, somebody else, and she's going to talk about the Visalia Ransacker. So part one is the background, her experiences, what it was like to be a young mom at that time, and what was going on, and how her passion for finding the Visalia Ransacker was lit, get started. And then in part two, you're going to hear more about how the case started to come together and um, how things started to make sense. So welcome to part one, and I hope you enjoy both parts of the interview. Things to do because so many people have their um, points of view and, and experience with our dear friend, Mr. D'Angelo, and have dealt with these crimes in all different ways. And today I have Margie Smith with me on the line, which is kind of hilarious because that's my mom's name. And so for a while on Facebook, I was getting confused and I finally had to put a glass of scotch next to my mom's name. So I remember that was her because <laughs> this Margie Smith drinks wine. And uh, <laughs> so that's been kind of funny. But Margie, it comes to us from the Visalia angle, which I think really hasn't ever gotten its due. There are, there's so much to the story. And of course, none of the crimes, except for the death of Mr. Snelling, none of the crimes are being charged in Visalia. Uh, at, you know, the 26 counts right now currently pending. And so, but there was a lot of drama, angst, um, criming going on there and a lot more lives touched in Visalia as well. So Margie, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. <clears throat> Um, yes, I was in Visalia. Well, I was born and raised here, only gone a few, you know, months out of my whole entire life, and I'm 70. I was 26, 25 and 26 when our Visalia Ransacker <clears throat> was busy, 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 and I was very, very aware of what was going on, even though most of Visalia wasn't. Um, nothing in the newspapers when he was breaking into homes, absolutely nothing. I did have a friend who, well, she was, let would see, she would be my brother-in-law's mother-in-law, my brother's mother-in-law, there we go. And she lived on Redwood, so she was very much aware because they, um, she had police officers in her kitchen. She had a police scanner. And so when the ransacker was out, <clears throat> she would call me because I lived on Tullary Avenue around the corner and my husband was remodeling, doubling the size of our house. The whole back half of our house was plastic and he worked swing shift. So you can imagine my fear because I knew that there was this person out breaking into homes and ransacking. I would sit by a picture window with a loaded shotgun I had three sons. Um, the youngest was just a baby, you know, had just been born. So <clears throat> I was definitely afraid. I was 25, 26. Margie, mm -hmm. yeah, Marjorie, Margie, tell me uh, uh, in terms of years, this is before. So I come into the story in 1980. Of course, the rights mm -hmm. were happening starting in 76. This is early 70s. When is this roughly? Okay. Yeah, by Celia Ransacker was, well, there are reports that I saw you ran Sacker was 73 to 76. Okay. Uh, for sure, 74 and 75. And then there, 
you know, after December yeah. of 75, there was just a little hint. So, yes, um, my... And that's... And and My I remind whole, everybody, like, mm-hmm, go ahead. we didn't have phone, but like, well, I remind everybody that we're on landlines, we're with the daily paper, we're on, you know, national news and mm-hmm. local news is maybe the radio and maybe right. out of a, you know, in Visalia, I don't even think Visalia had, came out of Sacramento or Fresno. Where did no, we come from Vi- then? We still have Visalia Times Delta. Um, it was a local news- newspaper. And then, of course, Exeter, which is, you know, just that thumbs just a, a quick drive away, 10 minutes on the highway. Um, they had the Exeter Sun. And so <clears throat> they had their small town newspaper, Visalia Times Delta, and then there was the Tillery Advance Register. So we all had our neighborhood newspapers, but there was nothing ever but in the television. newspaper. Yeah. Um, oh, nothing was on TV. Nothing was on TV about I- the Ransacker ever. And, Ever. That's what I thought. Yeah, and okay. our and our TV um, came out of Fresno. ABC. Okay, Fresno. It's, yeah. it's, okay, that was uh-huh. your affiliate was out of Fresno. So correct. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, I just for anybody currently, it's such a different time the way news oh. travels. I, I remind people of this a lot because right now we're so like we're seeing the news as it happens. Right. That's not how it works. <laughs> not at all. We got the news in a daily dose in the paper, and then somebody had to, it was relied upon somebody putting things together to mm-hmm. see that there even was a trend or a pattern or anything. I think so now I'm then, sorry, I just want to take people back. I think yeah. there was more investigative journalism back there, too. You know, I think you actually had investigative journalists who would research and who would go out and, you know, interview. And I don't see that. In our by anymore. Yeah, I, I for sure locally our investigative journalists have unfortunately mm-hmm. been defunded. Mm-hmm. Um, we still thankfully see some of this at the national level, but yeah, I right. absolutely agree that it was it, people were motivated. I wanted to be a journalist back then. That was one of the reasons why is that journalists were mm-hmm. they were essential to keeping power in check and to mm-hmm. getting real answers. And for pe- people would talk to them candidly, where they might not talk candidly to the police. So right. yeah, I missed that because that was yeah, really important. Too. So. Yes, okay, so thank you. Too. Just wanted to go back to that time, just so folks remember, it's not like mm. today where you can <laughs> Google something. No, it just it was word of mouth, and so by word of mouth, you got the warning that put you in front of that uh-huh. that uh-huh. W- uh, big window with a gun. Oh, right. I can't even imagine, and a, a baby, shotgun. and two, three babies in the house, but one actually a baby, but three babies yeah. in the house. Yeah, three little boys by yourself. And I was twenty-five, and. Greg would come home about 11 o'clock, and during election years, it was always much later because he printed ballots, but when he would get home, I would be up, you know, 11, 15, 11, and he worked in Exeter, so, you know, it'd take him a little minute to get home, and then I would go to bed, and we'd sleep, and so then in 75 is when I started work part-time. And this is, okay, so on my notes, you see something about uh, a suitcase full of jewelry. I'll go back to that later. But in 75 is when I started working for Bill Rose, and I was, uh, he was real estate, and I was his in-office secretary. And I think I was his first, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So that, when I was working for Bill, 
is when we had another murder, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on that now, but um, we had a little girl that had been murdered in Exeter, and the gentleman, Oscar Clifton, worked for Bill Rose. And he had come through the office, and the girl behind me said, oh, he's so nice. It's too bad he's crippled. And it stuck in my mind because I thought, well, what a stupid thing to say. And then Oscar Clifton had been picked up for murdering this little girl in Exeter. And Bill was his alibi, you know, where he was to be that day during the murder time. So Bill had to go to trial. And I remember when Bill came back into the office after he had testified, I said, well, what do they have him on? You know, what do they have of this Oscar Clifton? How, what evidence do they have? And they said, he said, well, they found a receipt book um, where her little bike was found, where she had, was abducted. And I said, well, that's stupid. He didn't do it. You know, why would his receipt book? Okay, he drops his receipt book and he doesn't notice it. Try and figure out, you know, in your mind, how did he get a little girl in his truck and drop that receipt book and her bike all by himself. Anyway, so that was my first introduction into that case. And so then time went by, you know, and that's all I said was, well, that's stupid. He didn't do it. So then time goes by and we move from my location on Tulare Avenue over into, it's called Beverly Glen. And that was in 1979 and I was, 29 years old. And so the Visalia ransacker was gone, but I had collected, I started collecting, I sat up in bed one time. Now this is going to sound stupid. I sat up in bed one time and I said, Greg, I know who the ransacker is. And, you know, I was sweating and my heart was pounding and everything. And I pointed my finger at the uh, neighbor across the street. And so I started looking into the Visalia Ransacker and my, my friend that had lived over on Redwood had saved a lot of newspaper articles, which she later gave to me. And then I went, I had also been saving a lot of newspaper articles. So I started going down to the library and at that time everything was on um, microfilm. And uh-huh. I would get absolutely. Which, by the way, for anybody who hasn't used those, they make oh. your eyes want to kill themselves. Oh, you get seasick. It's the worst. You know, yeah. you could only do it for maybe half an hour. Well, I get seasick anyway. So <laughs> doing that, I would just get so sick to my stomach. But you, I would find an article, you know, on something else that happened. Another, you know, like. Um, coins being stolen, but they never referred to it, of course, as the ransacker. So I would print out anything I could find. Well, then, you know, when there was a five-year anniversary of um, Claude Snelling's death, going back to the ransacker, that was September 11th, 1975, when any anniversary would come up, there would be something in the newspaper that they were still looking, you know, and so mm-hmm. every five yep. years, <laughs> there's an update, an update, an update. We went through the so, same, yes. Yeah. Time for and an anniversary so, story, yes. Exactly, and at one point, and it was in, I think, 80s, I have that one too, um, 
Mr. Snelling's daughter, Beth, her son, wrote to a letter to the editor and asked people not to, not to do that. You know, they didn't want to keep rehashing it, and it hurt their heart when they would see, you know, anything in the newspaper. And so they literally wrote a letter to the editor asking the newspaper not to do that anymore, which I thought was kind of, I thought, well, how are they ever going to solve it if they don't get help? Okay, so now we moved into the Gallon neighborhood. <clears throat> I was pointing a finger at the neighbor across the street. And one night there were cop cars out in front of our home. And so I went out and I talked to the police officer and I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, this person is probably on cocaine, but he's really, um, he's threatened his parents. What? So anyway, I said, <clears throat> well, I think he is the ransacker. And furthermore, I think you got it wrong with Oscar Clifton and the Donna Richmond murder. He said, what? And I have no idea why that came out of my mouth. You know, just because <laughs> five years, you know, things that you just, your, your, your mouth just talks. And I, yes. So he said, okay, well, we'll look into this person. And so he came back in a week and he said, nope, can't be him. He doesn't have any burglary in his background. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Okay, so I set off really looking into that fellow who a year later they came back to me and they said, can you come on down to the police station? We think you may be right. Okay, so at this point they have put together a binder on him he had been picked up for murdering um, a gal named Julie Wilson. And his trial, I think, was 1983. <clears throat> so anyway, they came back and they were trying to link him as the Visalia ransacker. And he was being held for murder. So I continue research, 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 research forever and ever and ever. And I think it had to have been... Probably, I'm going to guess it was 1980. I didn't know the difference in a sheriff, a police officer, a district attorney, a prosecuting attorney, a defense attorney. I was totally, that was, it would be like computer language. It was out of my realm. And so in researching Oscar Clifton, I saw that Jay Powell was our district attorney who literally tried that case. And I knew him personally by sight because he had come over when our house was being remodeled on Tulare Avenue. So I gave this Jay Powell a call. And I said, <clears throat> you know, we had about a 45 minute conversation on the telephone. And I said, I have a feeling you put Oscar Clifton away and he was innocent. I think it was our Visalia ransacker who killed that little girl. So here I am talking to Jay Powell, who is the <laughs> one who literally tried Oscar Clifton. And I'm saying, I think you made a mistake. I don't think it was Oscar. I think it was this other person. Okay, so then I started getting followed um, everywhere I looked. Here was Jay Powell. Here was Jay Powell and his wife. Here was Jay Powell's investigator. And we would always get together, my family, for 
Sunday lunches. And I remember one time telling my sisters and my mom about this Jay Powell and, you know, how I'd contacted him. They all thought I was crazy, by the way, you know, just any involvement in anything like this. So as we were walking out and I was saying goodbye to the family, and this is a Sunday afternoon, Jay Powell is going about five miles an hour by my home. And he was very distinguishable by the hat he wore. <clears throat> anyway, and I said, see, right there, there he is. Another time, <laughs> I mean, this happened continually. Like, sounding like you're paranoid, then you're like, by the way, he's right there. By the, by the way, there he is, yeah. And you know, I, waved. I waved at him. And the weird like, thing you're trying to this, figure out if you were legit, like if you were a crazy loon or if... Yeah, uh, like, well, pretty much everybody at the time thought I was a crazy loon. You know, why in the world would you get involved in this? And I said, because yeah. Oscar Clifton was guilty, and how can I not? And I think whoever murdered that little girl also murdered or was our Visalia ransacker. And so that was early on, you know, that I started that mantra, just blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that I had pulled from the newspaper was they had, I think maybe at that time, five unsolved murders in Visalia or in Tulare County. And one of them was Jennifer Lynn Armour. So there were only maybe three newspaper articles on her, but she was in November of 74, and huh. she went to Mount Whitney, the same as Beth Snelling went to Mount Whitney. And so I started wondering if maybe the Visalia Ransacker also murdered Jennifer Lynn Armour. Okay, so now we have Jennifer Lynn Armour. We have Donna Richmond. <clears throat> And they are, you know, both found in Exeter. We have Jennifer Lynn Armour, who was Oh, they're both on... found in Exeter. How interesting. Okay, they're both found in okay. Exeter. Huh. Okay. Now, Donna is December of 75, and she is found underneath an orange tree off of Spruce Avenue and Marinette. <clears throat> and she is found under this orange tree, which is, hmm, I'm, I, I've got to guess, maybe... 25 yards from, not even, 25 yards from the Frank Kern Canal in Exeter, right off Spruce. Oh, and okay. Jennifer Lynn Armour in November, so we go from November to September, November of 74, she was found a little bit north between Exeter and Woodlake floating in the Frank Kern Canal. And we all know mm -hmm. our affection, our friend has an affection for canals. Well, and we also then later on, later on find our friend is the police officer in Exeter. Okay. So, oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Oh. I forget. Okay, thanks. Good to, good to make that current. Okay, yes. Let's remember yep. that, folks. Yep. Okay. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to, you know, 45 years is really hard to encapsulate. Okay. So. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do know. It's okay. It's okay. We have time. Stick your okay. Time. So now we have Jennifer, who is from Visalia, who is walking to a football game, our famous, you know, we have a famous football game every year. She's meeting her girlfriends in the parking lot of Kmart. Kmart is a block to the west of Beth Snellings. So we're in the same neighborhood as uh -huh. Beth Snelling. 
Jennifer and Beth both go to Mount Whitney. Now, Donna, of course, uh, went, she was a student in Exeter. So now we have the two girls in Visalia, and then we have the one in Exeter, and I kept saying, they're all the same. They're all the Visalia ransacker, blah, 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 blah. And I was getting nowhere at all. Um, so at some point, after I contacted our district, oh, let's go back to being followed by our district attorney. There was a new restaurant in town, and it was Abel's Meat Market, and it was upstairs on Moody Boulevard. And I was working for some farmers in Tulare, and so for National Secretary's Week, the boss, his son, another secretary, and I, they took us to lunch there. We were the only people in this new, brand-new restaurant upstairs. So we're literally we're the only people up there and all of a sudden this big fat guy with a big belt buckle comes walking up the stairs and he comes up and he looks right at me and then he goes back down the stairs well who do you think he comes up with jay powell oh my god <laughs> hello again jay powell you know i'm of course you know oh my gosh here he is again well then one time my son was at Divisadero, which is a junior high. He came running home from school, and he said, Mom, somewhat two, these guys are following me. Two men are following me. And so my husband at that point said, you're done. I don't want you doing this anymore. You're putting us all in danger. Also, I have to go back, and I can send you a picture of this. <clears throat> also after I had contacted Jay Powell, one of our cars, we had a, I think it was a Datsun pickup, was stolen out of our driveway and it was found demolished. It had been run into a walnut tree again and again and again and just, I mean, blew the oh my radiator, just, just tore it apart. And this happened on the corner of Caldwell and Lover's Lane now, if you go further down Lover's Lane to 264, that's going to definitely, if you ever get into paying any attention to Oscar Clifton's thing, Oscar, of course, was in prison by now. 264 is where Oscar had lived and ties into Donna Richmond's murder, very definitely. So when I was called to the Visayad Police Department, um, Cody Woods, whose picture was in the newspaper as an investigator of um, another incident, I took him out to show him where our pickup had been destroyed. And the people who hauled it in, uh, Caesars, said, whoever did this was filled with rage because they'd never seen anything like this. I mean, it was just gone completely. Um, I have the paperwork where, you know, they hauled it. I never saw it again. My husband did. But so that is another thing that happened because of my involvement in, in you know, from the, that wasn't the only pickup. That's not, yeah, I was going to say that's not the only one, though. So that's nice. No, wait. So in this time, so everything, okay, so you're, mm -hmm. you're living in Visalia. 
You're, mm-hmm. you're connecting dots that others aren't connecting because Correct. it happens to be of particular interest to you. And you had a relationship with um, yep. Mr. Clifton, right? Or with Oscar. Actually, uh, I had only seen or, him at that point one time when he came through the office. Um, okay. So you just, yeah. so it just didn't make sense to you. And the evidence was particularly weak mm-hmm. and there was so much glaring evidence. So, and Mr. Correct. Powell was the prosecutor. Correct. And, had his and he was our squad. Okay, he so was he's our voted mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so he, and we know, I mean, I hate to sound like horrible, but we know that these guys tend to have their squads. These guys mm. protect each other because that's how it works. So what, right now you're thinking, I have out, I have mm-hmm. said something out loud that mm-hmm. people don't want said out loud, which is mm. you might have got the wrong person, right? And yep. he's now seeing you somehow as a threat. Correct. Maybe not that big of a threat. Maybe he's thinking, if I just intimidate her, she'll back down. Certainly work with your husband. I don't blame yep. him. He's saying, yep. honey, this is getting yep. ridiculous. And now your car is decimated. Mm-hmm. I mean, intentionally destroyed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how do you look at your husband and go, huh, honey, yeah. do you understand corruption? Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you, how are you guys talking to each other? I mean, how does that relationship, how is, what okay, is he doing so- to the relationship? My husband and I were fine. He thought I was crazy. And I was okay, also a new Christian at the time. Well, not a new Christian. I had recommitted my life at that time. And I remember sitting on the bed and I opened up the Bible and came to the verse. And I don't have these memorized. And it said, be still and know, I am. Be still and know that I am God. And so I remember I thought, okay it's time to just put this aside. And so for a while, I was a good girl. <laughs> it's so I, can I just take a moment about the language here? Because often women are often called crazy. Yeah. And you just said good girl. And there is so uh-huh. much that also is <laughs> correlational to women's experience of not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, and and somehow being poo-pooed and shoved aside, pretty girl, go sit over there. You're just supposed to look pretty and be nice and where's dinner? So I just I want to point that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I, I point that out for listeners who who yeah. wonder what you know. They know some of that still happens today, but it's just that idea of like this is this is all the hurdles. And women, to me, women held the key to a lot of this crime because they knew mm-hmm. they they saw what was going on, and these crimes were against women. So okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Just, I think we also had, well, I know I, I have always felt I had a sixth sense. Yes, that intuitive, it's that intuitive knowing. I, absolutely, I I have it, so I understand it. You know what it is. And I think we all have it. Yeah, you have to, you do have to be quiet to hear it. You have to, you Mm -hmm. have to let it come. So, okay, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah, I totally get it. So, the other thing, when I am researching, I have you know, as you say, an investigative mind, and it seemed like everybody that I would talk to would have some sort of a connection to the person that I was looking at as my person of interest. And this is what's so crazy. I thought it would be solved instantly because I was so smart. You know, they're, they're just going to put this all together. And they also think that it's this person. And so Oh, and where my pickup was found, Cody Woods, the, the detective for the Visalia Ransacker, he told me, which 
Now I look back and he was probably saying what he wanted me to hear, but he said where my pickup was found, the Visalia ransacker had tossed a lot of guns. Now, I have never heard that from anybody else other than Cody, and Cody is deceased. He he, he moved away uh-huh. and, and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I can't ever verify whether there were guns found where my pickup was, it, and it doesn't matter. But I do remember him telling me that, and if that is true, that would put our friend out in the neighborhood where Oscar Clifton all that had happened in 70. Where it had happened. Mm-hmm. You bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so we're talking 81. So then the question is, was he, our friend, around in 1981? Well, if you ever have another chance to talk to someone, I have another friend who I have met through this whole thing that was definitely under his he was after her. She was definitely um, being targeted. There's no doubt about it. So that's whole is, I want to take a beat for everybody uh-huh. listening. And I'm going to try to follow up with some of the people Mark just talking about. But this, this is not, I think folks have, that listen to this podcast have heard this before. Several people have approached me that absolutely believe that mm-hmm. they were victimized by D'Angelo, that they you had did. an experience with him. It, it didn't, it doesn't, they're outside of parameters or there wasn't enough this or that to conclude them. But I mm-hmm. absolutely believe them. And I believe this man was prolific and that we don't even begin to know the extent to the damage that he did. Correct. And and I'm hoping that, um, yeah, I can give voice to those that want to be heard and you can mm-hmm. decide if you believe them or not, but I don't think it matters. I think it's important to at least hear the stories, even if it's just to document this time and these crimes. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, I absolutely believe you've met people that have had an experience. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> well, especially when you have some evidence that has been dropped off at your house, and I'm going to tell you about that in a little while, and I'll send you some pictures. But <clears throat> at some point, um, okay, so when my neighbor across the street went to trial <clears throat> and he was convicted. Now, mind you, I had talked to Jay Powell. And I had said, I think this person across the street was the Visalia ransacker. Now, he went to trial and was convicted of murdering Julie Wilson, which later after his death was overturned. But anyway, um, at that point, that was 1984, I believe, when he went to, he was tried and went to prison. It could have been 83. In 1984, we had a second vehicle taken from our driveway, and it was a Volkswagen Campmobile. And we had just finished fixing it all up. It was all cleaned up. It was all new paint job. It was just gorgeous. My son, my oldest son, by this point was 16 years old, and I don't even know if he ever got to drive it. I think he did. Oh, I think he actually took it out and learned how to drive it, you know, pushed it down the driveway and took it out to learn how to drive. Anyway, with mover asleep in bed. So that, that vehicle 
was found north of Visalia on, I think it was, I can't remember the name, Riggin Road or something. Anyway, it had been burned to the ground, totally torched. So that happened right around the time that the person that I was pointing the finger at as being the Visalia ransacker, he went to prison. And right after, you know, when at, this is at the same time, we lose another car. So then in, I've got to, I have to think, and I started looking at some paperwork trying to put this together. For some reason, we had a new computer and I didn't even know what it was to Google something, you know. Uh -huh. I, people had told me about, you know, you enter in a question and voila. So I entered in Visalia Ransacker and I remember it took me to the AE board, which um, Archangel yes. 76. Okay, that, that AE, probably, AE television. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. This fella had put together a website and it was the AETV website having to do with the original Night Stalker. And so I went on there and I signed in. And the very first thing it took me to was a guy who went by the moniker um, Late for Lunch. <laughs> that ended up being Russ, O-A-S-E, and I can't pronounce his last name. Okay, so he said, does anybody, it took me right to this, and, and the question was, does anybody know anything about the Visalia Ransacker? So I jumped on, and yes, blah, 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 and started yak, yak, yakking, you know, over the months ahead about Jennifer Lynn Armour, Donna Richmond, the Visalia Ransacker, I would type out, because back then I didn't know how to scan or anything else, I would type out all of the newspaper articles so that people could... Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I would type, type, type. Oh my God. <laughs> and I would say, okay, that's it for tonight. Tomorrow I'll finish that article. I mean, it was, you know, oh my gosh. And so people were questioning... Um, everything I was saying because Russ was, con he was looking into the Visalia ransacker and he had come to Visalia and we haven't even talked about McGowan. Okay. So there was another instant with the Visalia ransacker where the police officers had a stakeout and um, this was in December 8th, I believe it was of 1975, right before Donna was murdered. Okay. They had a stakeout and that was in the Beverly Glen neighborhood. And uh, the Visalia ransacker, they later determined, walked by a window and McGowan went out and was about to catch him. And I mean, there are cops all over this neighborhood, was about to catch him and he <clears throat> jumped over a fence, and it was not a tall fence, a, a small fence, turned around, took off his mask, and shot McGowan's flashlight. So McGowan, you know, gets shrapnel in his eye. And the vice he was shot in the eye. I, 
yeah. You, I know he survived sorry. the shot. Yeah, and I he know did. he provided no a problem. good ID, right? He provided a yeah, good ID. He is the I'm... one. Mm-hmm. He's the one who ha- drew the composite of the Visalia ransacker. And then later they were able to link him because of the, the young girl who was living there. She was 19 years old. And I, I can't use her name. But anyway, she was being stalked. She worked over at the Visalia um, across from Mount Whitney at the Baptist Church, and she was being stalked. And there are so many of the ransackings that happened in this neighborhood, the Beverly Glen. There were four distinct quadrants, and we would be Beverly Glen would be the northeast quadrant. And okay. then there's yeah. So and then Bev, Beth Snelling that would be the northwest quadrant, and we're divided Got by. It. Yeah, we're divided by Looney Boulevard. And then there are there's the Royal Oaks quadrant. And then there is south of Mount Whitney. And it kind of goes over to Watson. And we do have, as you know, the waterways. You know, we have the ditches. We yeah. have a ditch that goes through that area. And that was the other thing. I remember in 75 being told, okay, they think he's out. The dogs are all barking around the ditch. And so they would be looking for him in the ditches. Okay, so I have met late for lunch online, and we go back and forth, and there's another person called Ista, I-S-T-A. She ends up being from Georgia, and she is a researcher. And so she and Russ, and then another person called um, Night Driver. He's deceased as well. His name was Biff. Anyway, so... (laughs) His name was Biff, B-I-F? Uh-huh. Ooh, I love that. And he he was from Sacramento. He lived in Old Town, Sacramento. And I went up and met Russ and Biff one time, drove up and met them because I said, I think it's easier to talk to people when you know what they look like and you know who they are. And yep. so I, I was going Also, up, I want to know if your husband knew you did this. Oh, yeah, he was with me and my mother was with me. And Biff oh, was, good. A okay. bit of a yeah, Biff was a bit of a strange person to say the least. I don't know if he had whatever that is when people cuss all the time, you know, walk around mumbling uh, and cussing. Yeah, Tourette. Yeah, Tourette. Uh, he kind of seemed like maybe, but we met at I think it was the Sheraton downtown Sacramento, and it was so embarrassing because I had all my notes. I was meeting, by the way, at that time with Elaine Stoops. I was going to go meet with Elaine Stoops at the Sacramento Sheriff's Department about my person and the Visalia ransacker and trying to tie it to the Easteria Rapist. Well, anyway, when I talked to Biff, he's walking around yelling and screaming, and people are just staring at me. My husband and my mom are sitting inside the hotel watching this guy who actually was a, he kind of looked like a street person. <laughs> he was not clean. Okay. Anyway, so I met Russ on the way up there. And then later on, Russ came to Visalia. And he had some important papers that I was able to get copies of. <clears throat> having to do with the Visalia ransacker and Mr. McGowan, who was the cop who died, by the way, a week after Russ met him. And so... I continued on um, 
researching with these new papers and getting to know a lot more about the Visalia Ransacker. And if you have ever gone onto that AE site, you know, EAR slash ONS, um, there's a timeline that is included on that that Archangel put together um, having to do with every home in Visalia that was hit. And I think at that point there were less than 100 listed. And so I was always interested when they said, yeah, take a moment and say you just take a breath. <laughs> there were less. Well, I mean, I think there were less than a hundred. That's we less only, than a hundred is how we measure these things. Yeah, they how, would all how many that. all in? How many all in do you think it by the end? Well, now they they everywhere I read they talk about a hundred and twenty five, and I okay. don't know Holy where smoke. the others came from. Okay, because but I think I only saw ninety six. Okay, 96. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's a ridiculous yeah. number of homes. That's well, 96 families terrorized. 96. Uh -huh. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. And the reports that's not that I had. Everything else. That's not hysteria rapist. That's not murder. No. This is this so is early. Yeah. This is in 74, okay. 75, the, when he is a cop, breaking into these homes and everything he would take was just so ridiculous. There was no value to it. Okay, guys, we're going to end part one right there, and I'll be back with part two, where Sheila's going to pick up this conversation, uh, and I'm repeating a little of it in part two so you know where we are, but let's talk more about what he did when he ransacked when we come back with part two. By the way, be sure to rate, share, subscribe. It means everything to me if you are um, participating and subscribing to the podcast. Thank you so much. Venture Highway. In the sun.